Good morning, everyone. Good morning. My Bible's open up to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be reading a couple of verses there in just a moment. And in fact, these verses will serve as the basis for our entire study today. We'll step out a time or two out of Matthew chapter 13, but we're just going to keep coming back here looking and thinking about the words of Jesus. Get your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 13. As you're turning there and as you're getting settled in for these next few minutes of a study of God's Word, I will say how just appreciative and glad I am to have the opportunity to stand before you on this first day of the week and to open up the Word of God and to talk about things that are of just great importance and great significance. You know, here in our country, here in America, for the last several days, we've had to hear so much about presidents and about nations. And frankly, I'm tired of hearing and thinking about those things. I want to think about a kingdom and I want to think about a king. And that's exactly where I want to direct our attention to this morning in Matthew the 13th chapter. Read with me the words of the king in Matthew 13 and in verse 44. Jesus says here, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Back in 2006, a fellow by the name of Michael Sparks, he was perusing through a thrift store down in Nashville, Tennessee, where he just picked up a number of random items. He bought a candlestick that day. He bought a salt and pepper shaker set that day. But then he also bought an old copy of the Declaration of Independence. Now, Sparks had seen copies of the Declaration of Independence before, but he thought that this one was a little bit different. It was really well made, and so he bought it for $2.48. When he got home and started doing some research about that, he found out that this copy of the Declaration of Independence was actually, it was actually very rare. It is one of 200 official copies that was commissioned in 1820 by John Quincy Adams. And so, after having it appraised and placed up for auction, Michael's $2.48 find at the local thrift shop it sold for a measly $477,650. Yes, I'll give you a moment to pick your jaw up off the floor. When the local newspaper interviewed Michael about that, he said, I don't know. I just thought that this was really beautiful. I look for things that have quality to them, so I bought it. And you know what? That's exactly what Jesus just got done saying in Matthew the 13th chapter. In the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great price, Jesus says that when a person discovers something of great quality and value, there's no way that they can pass it up. But of course you realize that Jesus isn't talking about copies of the Declaration of Independence. And in another sense, he's really not even talking about fine pearls or earthly treasures. Jesus is talking to his disciples here about the kingdom of God. And that really is why I love these parables so much. They're just not hard to figure out. There's not a lot of details for us to get lost or get bogged down in. These stories are short and they are to the point. 
There is not any doubt in my mind Jesus is talking here about finding treasure, real treasure, the kind of treasure that only comes from a life that is devoted to serving the King. And this morning, this morning that's exactly what I want to talk about. I want to talk about these treasures that are found in the kingdom of God because I do believe that these two brief little parables, they challenge us in a big way. They challenge us to rethink and reassess our value system, to give some consideration to the things that we deem of being of greatest worth in this life. And best of all, these parables show us what it is that we need to do with the abundant riches that are found in Christ Jesus. This morning I want to set before you three important truths that I believe these parables teach us, three truths that these parables challenge us with and help us in understanding the great value of the kingdom of God. Are you ready for that? Let's just start that first and foremost by just making the observation that I think this parable points out and that is that there are some people who just don't ever even find the treasure. And that's because there are some people who just do not see, they do not see the supreme value in the kingdom of God. Take a look at that first parable again. Here's a man who found a treasure that was hidden in a field. Now certainly a lot of people must have went by that field. A lot of people certainly had seen that field. I'm sure there were even some folks who worked in that field, but... But none of them saw the treasure. All of them just passed it right up. For whatever reason, they completely overlooked the treasure. And as a result, they didn't purchase the field, which means they didn't benefit from it. They didn't profit from it at all. There's no telling how long that treasure had been there. They just missed it. And you know what? That's what happens many times with people today as it pertains to the treasure of the kingdom, of the gospel, of Jesus. People just, they just miss it. People don't see the value of serving the king of kings and as a result they, they just walk right on by it. And that really is kind of shocking, isn't it? Because when you stop and think about what it is that we are offering people, we are offering the word of God. We are offering eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. We are offering the chance to live in heaven forever and ever in eternal bliss and joy. We are offering people something better and greater than this world has to offer. You'd think that people would be knocking on the doors just to get in here, wouldn't you? That's what you would like to think. You'd like to think people would be saying, Hey, I want to know what you people know. I want some of that gospel stuff, especially when you consider the alternative. Hell! I don't want to go to hell. I don't want that. I don't want to live a life that's devoid of meaning and then ultimately die and be eternally lost. I want to go to heaven. Tell me how to go to heaven. Tell me about Jesus. Help me understand the Bible. You'd think we would have to sell tickets to our worship assemblies because people would just be lined up, lined up for miles to get in here and receive the treasures that we are offering that are made available to us through Christianity. But... But people aren't doing that, are they? They're not. People aren't banging on our doors. In fact, who's the one taking people the gospel? It's us. 
People aren't coming to us. We're having to go to them. We're having to invite them. Hey, we're, we're having a gospel meeting. Hey, would you check out our podcast and listen to our sermons on our YouTube channel? Hey, would you be willing to have a Bible study sometime? Hey, would you like to come to church with me sometimes? We're the ones doing all of the begging. Now, why is that? Why is it that so many people don't see the enormous value of serving Jesus in the kingdom? Well, the answer to that, I believe, is that Satan keeps people from seeing its value. If you're still here in Matthew chapter 13, just bump back up a little bit in the text. In Matthew chapter 13, look back up in verse 13. In verse 13, Jesus says, This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Jesus just says, that there are many people who are blinded. In fact, they are deaf on top of that. And that's the work of the devil. The devil keeps people from seeing the tremendous value of the kingdom. And of course the devil does that through all kinds of techniques and tactics and strategies. For example, there are some people who cannot see the value of the kingdom because Satan has distracted them with all kinds of earthly glory and earthly kingdoms. Isn't that true? So many people today are interested in this world. They are interested in the things that this world has to offer. Material things, wealth, popularity, stuff. Those are powerful influences in our society today. And people are chasing after that. They are. They're chasing after that wholeheartedly because that's what they think life is all about. In fact, here in Matthew chapter 13, just back up a little bit. In verse 22, as Jesus tells the parable of the sower, He actually makes this very point in verse 22. He says, As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Jesus says that there's a deception that's going on by the devil where people are deceived by the things the world has to offer and as a result they can walk right by a field that has great and tremendous treasure in it and they don't even see it. They don't because they're so focused on this other treasure a treasure that ultimately in the end is going to be worthless. Or what about as well what about how Satan deceives people by convincing them to rely on their own wisdom. You ever met anybody who just seems to know everything about everything and in their mind they've just, well, they've just got it all figured out, even in spiritual matters? Look, step out of Matthew with me. Look in 1 Corinthians 1. In 1 Corinthians 1, Paul talks about people here who have been tricked by the devil into thinking that they are so wise. And so he says in verse 18, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, he says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. There are people in our world today who think they've just got life all figured out. And as a result, they are convinced that that they don't need saving, that they don't need the Bible, they don't need the church, they don't need Jesus, they don't need the word of the cross because to them it's, 
Well, to them it's just foolishness. Why, in their mind, they're doing A-OK. And unfortunately, you can't give riches to someone who thinks that they are already rich. And you've known people like this, haven't you? I know that I've met people like this before. People who are just kind of just too smart for Jesus, so to speak. They've got an answer for every question that you might ask. They've got it all figured out. doesn't matter what you say. They've already made up their mind about the kingdom. Don't want it. Don't need it. I'm doing just fine without it. These are people who do not see the tremendous value of the kingdom of God. Just like Esau so long ago who traded such great blessings for a mere bowl of soup. Today, many people are giving up the blessings of the kingdom to settle for what pitiful little bit of pleasure they can eke out of this life. They are seeking out inferior pearls when the pearl of surpassing worth is being offered to them on a silver platter. You know, the question that you and I need to be asking ourselves is, is what am I seeking? What is it that I think has supreme value? What to me is the pearl of great price? What for me is the field that has the treasure in it that I want so much? What am I seeking? What is it that I see the value in? Do I see the tremendous value in being a citizen of the kingdom of God and being subject to the Lord of lords and the King of kings? The truth of the matter is, Jesus has brought salvation. And for many of us right now, the truth is, well, that truth's not buried. And it's not camouflaged. It's not hidden. It's not even difficult for us to understand. It is staring at us right here through this book. And all we need to do is we need to recognize the value of it and then seek after it wholeheartedly. And I think that's what we see when we turn back to these two parables in Matthew chapter 13. We see a couple of individuals who are wholeheartedly seeking after that treasure. These are guys who gave up everything. In fact, look at the text again. Look at verse 44. The first guy, he sold all that he had to buy that field. Verse 46, the second guy, he sold all that he had to buy that pearl. These are men who sacrificed everything in order to obtain that treasure. And I think that that is a good place for us to make this second observation. And that is that a life in Christ, being in the kingdom, having that blessing and holding on to that treasure, it is worth every single sacrifice. You know, can you imagine selling everything for just one thing? Can you imagine doing that? Selling everything that you had in order to just purchase one thing. What if I came home one day and I told my wife, Honey, I went and sold our house. I sold our cars. I sold our furniture. I sold our clothes. I sold all of our other stuff. And I took all of that money and I went out and I bought, yeah, I bought that replica, that copy of the Declaration of Independence. Hey, are you happy? Those of you that know my wife know my wife is going to say, are you an idiot? Are you crazy? What have you done? You, 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 sold our, you sold our cars? You sold our clothes? You sold our house? Where are we even going to hang a copy of the Declaration of Independence? That's insane, isn't it? That is absolutely crazy to us. But you know what? 
Maybe Jesus is telling us a couple of crazy parables in order to get our attention. To tell us that you know what? There is something that is of such great value that it is worth any and every sacrifice in order to obtain it. And I should tell you that this is not the only place that Jesus makes this kind of point. Just watch Jesus throughout the Gospels because He's always, as He's interacting with folks, He's talking about this very thing. He's always saying, Hey, are you interested in the kingdom of God? Just how interested in the kingdom of God are you? What exactly are you willing to give up to be in the kingdom of God? What are you willing to sacrifice in order to have eternal life? Don't believe me? Let's just watch a little bit. Look with me in the book of Luke, please. In Luke chapter 18, Luke is that wonderful gospel that focuses so much on on being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus. And in Luke chapter 18, we meet a young man that we have come to know as the rich young ruler. How did things go with that guy? In Luke 18, I'm reading here beginning in verse 18, a ruler asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? Great question. Verse 19, Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And that man then said, All these have I kept from my youth. Verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, Welcome aboard, son. You're a fine person. Is that what your Bible says? No. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus said to him, You know what, partner? You have done pretty good. You have made some sacrifices. You've been keeping those commandments, walking the straight and narrow path. But you know what, friend? The price is higher. It's higher. Verse 22 Jesus said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. What if you had been standing there that day? What if I had been standing there that day? Would you or I have been willing to part with our great riches and to make the sacrifices that Jesus was calling for? How'd this man do? Verse 23. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. No sale. This man was not willing to make the sacrifice. However, the very next thing that Luke does in his gospel is he tells us about another rich man who was willing to make the sacrifice. In Luke 19... In Luke 19, this is the short guy. In Luke 19 and in verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was short of stature. So he ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And so he hurried. And he came down and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled, Oh, he's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Look at this guy right here. Here is a guy who saw the opportunity. 
He saw the opportunity to be involved in the kingdom. He saw the value of the treasure that was standing right in front of him in the person of Jesus Christ. And because of that, because of his willingness to make those sacrifices, Jesus was able to say those wonderful statements in verse 9. Today, salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. If you're starting to think now that this idea of sacrificing, that that's serious business, you should know that it absolutely is serious business. Look again, this time in Luke 14. In Luke 14, do you want to be in the kingdom? Do you really want to be in the kingdom? To have salvation and heaven Well, try verse 26. In Luke 14, this is verse 26. Jesus says here, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty steep price. In fact, let's try a little bit more. Look in verse 27. In verse 27, Jesus continues on, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. Do you understand that there? About what it means to bear the cross? Listen to me very carefully. That is not talking about the pains and the everyday burdens of everyday life. This is not when someone says, Oh, I've got got arthritis in my bones. Or you know, my boss at work, he's a jerk, but hey, that's... That's my cross to bear. No, listen. If that's your cross to bear, then even non-Christians are bearing the cross because non-Christians get arthritis in their bones. Non-Christians have bosses who are jerks, okay? That's not what Jesus is talking about here. Bearing your own cross, it conjures up images of a man who is dragging a cross to the outskirts of town. And why? Because he's going to die. He's going to be executed on that cross. And so when Jesus says, you must be willing to bear your own cross, what He is saying is, is He's saying, you must be willing even to die for Me. And I think that is a really high price. And I think that trying to call people today to make that kind of sacrifice, that that's not very popular. That's not going to win us a whole lot of contest in the eyes of this world. Yet sacrificing and serving and devotion and commitment, that has always been a part of God's way. From the very time of Cain and Abel all the way through the Bible, you just march right through and you notice very carefully, you will see people being called upon to pay the ultimate price for the Lord. Read your Bible. You will see Abraham trudging up a mountain with his son Isaac in tow. Read your Bible. You will see Solomon offering thousands of sacrifices at the dedication of the temple. Read your Bible. You'll find the Macedonian brethren giving and giving and giving even when they themselves were too poor to give. Read your Bible. And you will find the very Son of God dragging a cross up to the hill of Calvary. Over and over again what we see is that sacrifice is part of serving in the kingdom. It is what He has done for us and it is one of the ways that we show our love and our devotion to Him. And I need to say to you this morning that your Christianity, your service to the King of Kings, it will never ever work 
until you get your mind right about this. Until you decide in your heart that yes, a life of service in the kingdom, it is worth every single sacrifice. It is of that kind of value. It is the pearl of great price. It is the field with the treasure hidden in it. I would do anything to be in the kingdom of God because I want to go to heaven so badly. Until you make that decision, then Christianity will be nothing but a drudge for you. It will be a total drag on your life. Because time and time again you will find that Jesus is constantly pulling at you and tugging at you and always asking for more. And time and time again what will happen is is you will always be looking for ways to get out of what Jesus is asking you to give to Him. You'll always be looking and asking questions like, what's the bare minimum that I could do? What's the least that I could do and get by with it and still catch that last flight out to heaven? You will grumble, you will moan, you will complain, and you will be miserable. But take a look at the parables again in Matthew 13. Take a look at these guys. These guys are not miserable. These parables are not about buyer's remorse. These parables are not about these guys saying, Oh man, what was I thinking? Oh, I can't believe I sold everything. No! These guys were ecstatic. In fact, look there in verse 44. It says that this man did this in his joy. This guy's like, woohoo! I did it! I got it! And you and I, you and I need that exact same attitude. The attitude that says, I'm going to heaven. I get to go to heaven when this life is over. And so whatever God asks of me, It is nothing in comparison to what I will receive in return. The treasure is worth more than anything that I could ever pay or do or say or work for. It's worth more than everything else. And so whatever the Lord may ask of me, fine. Fine, Lord, I'll do it. I will do it gladly. Take my possessions, take my stuff, Take my time, take my energy, take my health if need be, take all of my sins and all of my worldly desires, Lord. Take anything that you want because I want what you have. I want what you have offered to me and I'm so thankful that you would be willing to share it with me. When we have that kind of an attitude, then being a citizen in the kingdom, it is an absolute joy. It is not drudgery that I'm glad to be able to sacrifice because the kingdom is of that worth and value. And that's why I'm asking you this morning from these two little parables. I'm asking you not how much are you sacrificing. No, that's not what I'm asking. I'm not asking how much do you give in the collection plate every Sunday. not asking that. I'm not asking how many hours have you devoted to yourself in the kingdom in the past week. How much work have you done for the Lord in the last seven days. That's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking is, is how do you feel about the sacrifices that you have made for the kingdom of God? Are you unhappy about that? Does it just absolutely kill you? Does it make you upset? That Jesus demands so much of your life. Do you have a case of the have-tos? Do I have to go to church? Do I have to read the Bible? 
Do I have to say no to sin and to temptation? If that is your attitude, brother or sister, then you need to reread these parables. And then read them again and read them again and read them again until you have done a complete 180 degree turnaround in your approach to your Christianity. You need to see that the kingdom is of such great value that we should rejoice. We should thank God that we have the chance to sacrifice anything in order to be a part of it. Which would lead me finally to this third and final truth this morning. And that is, it is important for us to note here that when you talk about this treasure, you just can't have it all. It's either going to be temporary riches or it's going to be eternal riches. Just like so many of the parables that Jesus tells, Jesus has set these stories up to help us understand the exclusive nature of the kingdom. Either I can enjoy the world and have a bunch of minor stuff, or I can give all of that up for a single field and what is contained in it. But listen to me carefully. You can't have both. You just can't. Furthermore, I can have a whole bunch of little bitty pearls, and they're nice, and I guess they're enjoyable for a little while, or I can give all of that up, and I can have one great pearl. But again, I can't have both. Just like the men in these parables, I'll have to choose, you'll have to choose which one we value the very most. You know, I wish that I could just pound away at this third and final truth again and again and again until all of us get it, until I fully get it. Because we need to understand the significance of it. Because I think in some ways, maybe we as as Americans in the 21st century... We maybe view these parables in an entirely different way. You know, we look at the guy, the field in verse 44, and we see how he sold everything. And we ask, come on, he sold everything? Really? You know, if I found that field, I'd just go down to the local bank and I'd take out a loan. I'd get a second mortgage with a 30-year note. That way I could get the field and I could still have all my other stuff. I could kind of get the best of both worlds. Or maybe we look at that pearl in verse 46. And especially if you're a guy, what you may be thinking is, is, hmm, I wonder how much pearls are at Walmart. Yeah, aren't they having a sale? In fact, didn't they have one of those little machines out in the front lobby, the 50-cent machines, and had some pearls in it? Yeah, my wife will never know. Jesus frames these stories in such a way that it eliminates the idea of somehow getting the treasure without making the sacrifice. You can't buy this pearl at a discount. You can't somehow purchase this field and the treasure on credit. Jesus intentionally fixes these stories because in the spiritual realm, when it comes to our souls, you can't live a life like Jezebel and then somehow expect to die like Elijah. Do you understand what I mean by that? In your relationship with the Lord, you're not going to be able to somehow shark deal God out of salvation. Now God, I'll tell you what, if you let me get away with a few cuss words and a couple of white lies this week, I promise I'll talk to three people next week about Jesus. No, that's not how this works. And furthermore, there's not any New Testament Christianity available out there that has you know half off of Jesus' commands or discounted discipleship, maybe a Bible that's one-third less demanding. No, that's not it. 
With Jesus, it is literally all or nothing. There is no middle ground. There is no fence riding. There is no room to negotiate. There is no place for compromise. It is Jesus or everything else. It is Christ or the world. It is eternal treasures or it's these temporary treasures. You get to decide. You get to choose. I get to choose. But at the end of the day, you can't have both. And you know, that's what I love about these two parables. Because these two men, they come to the moment of decision. They're there at the fork in the road. And they see something that is of such incredible value. And they know this is it. This is the moment I've got to decide. I realize I can't have both. I can't go in both directions. And you know what? They go for it. They do. They go for the real treasure. And that is the challenge for you and for me today. To be willing to turn away from the bright and shiny allure of this world and what the devil is offering. And for us instead to wholeheartedly invest ourselves, invest our lives in Jesus Christ and in His kingdom. The question though is, do I see the value? Do I understand that it is worth every sacrifice? And am I ready to give up anything and everything in order to obtain that one eternal treasure? You know, most of you who are listening to me this morning, you've already found the treasure. And I don't know exactly how it is, I don't know what your story is, how it is that you came to the treasure and to obtain it. Maybe you're like the man with the field and you you stumbled upon the treasure. You really weren't looking for religion, you weren't looking for God, but, but He came looking for you. And as a result, you saw the value in it and there was no way that you could turn away from it. Or maybe you were like the guy with the pearl. You were actively seeking. You were searching for the Lord. You were searching searching for truth. And when you found it, man, you just grabbed a hold of it and you're so excited that you finally found what real life is all about. Either way, you're there. You're in the kingdom. You found the treasure. The challenge for you is, the challenge for me is, is for us to hold on to it with both hands that we're going to keep on sacrificing. We're going to keep on serving. We're going to do that more joyfully every day. We're going to be more invested, more involved in the kingdom so that ultimately one day we can enjoy the fullness of that kingdom in eternal glory in the presence of God in heaven. However, there are some who are listening to the sound of my voice right now who have yet to find and then seize that wonderful treasure of the kingdom. I'm telling you this morning that this treasure, it is too tremendous. It is too incredible. It is too awesome for you to just pass it by. It may be that for all of your life up to this moment in time, you've just walked right by it. Maybe it's been right there. It's been presented to you. Maybe you've even been a churchgoer all your life but you haven't actually grabbed the treasure and taken hold of it in the way that Jesus talks about in these parables. My friend, you could wait too long to seize that treasure. 
Our God loved you so much. He valued your soul so much that He sent His Son to die for your sins so that you could be saved and that you could come and live with Him for all of eternity. That is the treasure. The question now is, what are you going to do? Are you going to let the devil put the blinders back on and you just pass right by it? Or you make today the day to be the moment of decision by obeying King Jesus and surrendering yourself as a citizen in His kingdom. You know, if that guy down in Nashville, Tennessee, if he could see the beauty and the value in that old piece of paper that had the Declaration of Independence printed upon it, then surely you can see the tremendous value in a relationship with Jesus Christ, serving the Lord of Lords and the King of all kings. Would you pray with me now? Let's go to God in prayer. Our dear God and our Father in heaven, Father, we come before you this day thanking you so very much for the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. Father, we are so thankful that you sent your Son to bring this treasure here to make it available to us so that not only might we enjoy the blessings of the kingdom here and now in this world, but even more so, Father, that we might prepare ourselves for the next world when we get to enjoy the kingdom of heaven in your presence for all of eternity. Father, help us each and every day to understand even more the value and the worth of being a citizen in your kingdom. Help us, Father, to be more willing to sacrifice and to serve and to give up anything so that we can be involved in your kingdom. Help us, Father, to be about the business of spreading your kingdom and doing what we can to help others to understand the great value of being in your family. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for his willingness to die. We're thankful for his resurrection. We're thankful for his ascension back into heaven where he does sit right now at your right hand as reigning as our King and our Lord. Father, we thank you for Jesus and we pray that you would help all of us to be more obedient and more subservient to him each and every day. We want so very much to be with you in glory forever. It's all these blessings and all these favors that we ask through the name of your Son. And amen.